Have you been there and done it when it comes to nutrition, exercise, and motivation? My name is Zach Guild, and I'm part of the Basics Lifestyle and Wellness team. We're not your standard health podcast, and we don't claim to be experts, but we do know change isn't easy. Our aim is to bring you the best in the business in all aspects of mind, body, and soul. We hope to create a spark and with expert knowledge, give you the information and motivation to make a change. Please enjoy. Welcome back to Basics Lifestyle and Wellness. This is episode 12 and I'm joined with Andy. Hi guys. And Emma. Hi. And in this week we are covering training quality over quantity. So a big one, I guess, in the corporate world, but anyone who's busy in general will always have the excuse of, I can never have time to train, or I've only got a half an hour window, so there's not much point in going to train. I personally am super busy with work. I'm busy with podcast. I'm also busy with training and some other ventures. So one thing I've started doing is actually trying to split my workups out. So what I mean by that is, say I've got half an hour free at lunch. I will go down at lunch and I will try and train. I'll maybe focus on one muscle group and I'll hit that. And that is all I'm doing there. I'm not distracted by anything else. I'll hit that in my lunch break so that I'm getting quality training in. And, you know, something is better than nothing. Over a period of time, that's going to build up and it's going to be far more beneficial than just not doing anything. Um, And that's definitely um, something that I've had to do as my schedule gets busier and busier is trying to find those pockets of time to just make the most out of it. And when I'm there, that is the one thing I focus on. I think that's good. I mean, and there's also, there's also without going to the gym, you know, there's so much you can do. One of the things that I've been doing now is, is sort of lunch out. It's just taking myself out and going for a walk for half an hour. And I think anything you can fit in or at any time is, is better than nothing. Yeah, and I think Zach's actually lying. He has lots of time to go for three-hour training sessions. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> You know, coming from the other end of the spectrum where, you know, working from home as well, I can kind of go and, and, and I will, if I've got time, I can actually book out enough time. But I generally find that I prefer to book a good 40 minutes and make myself have an extremely efficient 40 minutes. And I focus more so on the quality of that training. So really focusing on how that muscle feels when I'm contracting it, such as I do when I do my weight training. Um, I notice a difference in that than I would say trying to do an hour session and try and get a really good session. Whereas if I do the 40 minute session, but really just try and focus on the muscle and I'm so much pain and I notice a difference in muscle growth. I actually really enjoy long workouts. I'm not going to lie. I enjoy a long training session, but I would normally train a few different muscle groups in that training session if I can get away with a two-hour session. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I've, on top of, say, finding half an hour at lunch, I really try and book out my morning. So I'll get up at five in the morning just to go and train so I can get a good hour and a half session in and a solid session in. And I'll really focus and try and spend that time focusing on training. So you also see a lot of people, they'll go to the gym, they'll be on their phone, they'll be texting, they'll be taking pictures, they'll be doing whatever. But, (laughs) you know, they're not really necessarily in the zone in training. So whenever I'm at the gym, I'm there for the gym. And I'm sure a few people listening here have bumped into me at the gym and just think that I'm a bit rude because I keep my headphones in and just keep working out rather than stopping to chat. But for me, that's like my time. So for me, like... Although I enjoy long sessions, it's all about quality as well. So I'll be trying to trying to be focused, trying to just be present and focusing on the training rather than everything else that's going on so I can get the most out of it. 
This week, we actually managed to catch up with a really impressive guy who does triathlons and Ironman. So I think he's done 11 Ironman over the course of his um, career and he's still competing. And he does the, he actually competes at the Kono Ironman in Hawaii, which is the world championships, is one his age group. So this is a really impressive guy because on top of that, he's also a family man. And he's also a partner at PwC. Even just that in itself, like being a partner at PwC, a professional services firm, is very time-consuming. Um, so we caught up with Damien, who shed a bit of light on his training. And his approach to training is very much quality over quantity. So let me bring you the interview where Emma and I caught up and had a chat with Damien Angus. Today we have got an amazing guest on. I was fortunate enough to meet this man through a colleague at work and we got up for a coffee, which I think was for half an hour and it turned into about an hour and I was just picking his brains again and again on, on what he does. Um, so a lot of our listeners out there, they compete in different sports. They're also interested in different forms of fitness. Obviously myself and Emma, we focus more on the bodybuilding side. So it's great to actually chat to someone else who's been very successful both in the corporate world and also in competing. Um, so this man is Damien Angus. He's a partner at PwC and he also competes in Ironman. So welcome, Damien. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on, on your show. No problem. Great to have you. We also have Emma with me. Hi, guys. So I think, Damien, what we'll just do for the listeners out there is just tell us a little bit about yourself first. So sure. So as Zach said, you know, I'm a partner here at PwC based in Melbourne and um, I'm actually part of the consulting part of the business and the thing I really do is around healthcare. What really motivates me is to try to improve our healthcare system and I'm very passionate about health and wellbeing and actually spending more of our effort on, on prevention and, and avoiding some of the chronic diseases and issues that I'm sure your listeners would be very familiar with. Mm. But um, yeah, so that's what I do in my work. Um, in my work sense. And then on the home front, um, I'm married to Catherine. We have three kids who are, you know, grade six, grade five and grade one. So growing up fast. Bit of a handful. Um, yeah, but a great, <laughs> really, really great age when they still love their dad. They're happy to go to Bunnings. But uh, but you know, I know the teenage years are coming. But, you know, it's a, been a terrific, uh, that's, that's a really fantastic part of my life. And then I guess um, lastly, and, and part of, you know, the real emphasis of this show is, I guess, on triathlon and um I've been a triathlon since I was 19 years old and I'm 42 now. So I guess I got into it when I was at university. I found when I was at school, I wasn't really terrific at any one single sport. I loved ball sports, but mm. wasn't coordinated enough to make it at, at, a, at a good level. But I found out that I could sort of do all three at a reasonable level and then patching them together was when um, you know, I, I enjoyed it the most. And so that started off my, my triathlon career. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. We know that you're obviously a great dad and a great husband and an awesome um, in your in your work. Um, we also noticed that you have quite an impressive CV um, and we know that you have a PhD in physiology and MBA, which is a Master's of Business Administration. Out of interest, what would you... Um, what did you focus your research on and your studies on for your PhD? Hmm. So, yeah, so when I was at uni, I sort of didn't really know what I was wanting to do. I was just doing a science degree and then I got really interested in plant physiology and then suddenly I was a subject in an exercise physiology uh, project being a triathlete and a cyclist and, yeah, yeah. and then I was hooked and I turned from being the sort of guinea pig to the to the scientist and that's you know and the, and I did honours and then a PhD and the 
my PhD project was really looking at, um, I think the title was something like, you know, how do you, how do you make changes in the diet that then influences the metabolism or the fuels that we burn during endurance exercise? And then what, mm. what impact does that have on performance? So I did that for four years and um, did a couple of projects in, in conjunction with a few uh, fantastic scientists at the Australian Institute of Sport as well. Um, and I really loved the team-based element and trying to solve problems and understand how the body works and, and the connection between you know, what we eat, the fuels we burn and the performance. Um, so I really loved that part of my life. But I guess when I finished that up, I thought to myself, I don't want to necessarily be an academic. And I think we've done all the basic science about you know, proving that exercise is good for us and that it, it helps us in so many ways. Um, do, do we need to do more research on that? And so for me, it's actually about how do we, how do we really encourage the health and well-being of the broader population? How do we get people more active? And what can I do in my work and my passion to try to fuel that? It's not often you meet someone who knows the science and is a PhD scientist and also competes, as, so does both sides of it as well. It's, yeah. and, and I feel like that's part of why I still compete is because I want to keep my, my, my brain clicked into the physiological side of things. And, and when you hear and learn more research and more evidence that comes to hand, what, what things are really important versus what things aren't so important. And you know, we're bombarded in the media and, you know, news articles about what, what things are, are really, you know, really important versus not. And people will be doing studies on, you know, random amino acids and, and so on <laughs> yeah. and so forth. And I think it's easy to sometimes forget the fundamentals. And I think that yeah. the title of this show is even what? The, the basics. The, the basics. Yeah, and I think that's where we come back to that is, is just we really were born to, to move and we need to do more moving um, to, yeah. to be healthy in this society and and it's terrific we've got lots of great technology things like elevators and cars <laughs> and and um you know electric can openers but how do we how do we make sure that we're we're enabling people to get some movement in their day mm. that's so true there's just so much information out there on what this exercise is and what's trending now and you know what other people's opinions is when in actual fact just do it you know just move just whatever it is whatever you enjoy not one approach for a single person so I love that you highlighted that um, so in terms of your work back to um, what you do for a living so what does a typical day look like for you um, so it is qu quite varied I mean being a being a partner is is part partly about you know winning projects and delivering great projects for PwC and for me it's about making sure that you know we've got the right expertise and the right team and that those that team is really channeled in the right way to do the best outcome for our clients so part of it is spending time with the team and making sure that giving them feedback and coaching and and on the problems at hand and then I guess another big part of it is actually working out what are the problems that we really should be going and solving what are the things that we're really passionate about that we want to go and and really help help in society and, and interestingly PwC's sort of motto is to build trust in society and solve important problems so what are those important problems to do with health and well-being that we really want to go and tackle and who are the clients that we could go and engage with on those and bring the best of our firm to, to solve so you know I guess that's not very specific but there are almost no two days of the same sometimes I'm at clients sites all day sometimes I'm with my team sometimes I'm actually spending a lot of time on on email or on calls trying to set up and form the right teams or form the right set of people to collaborate on a particular problem yeah so I can imagine your time must look like 
really scheduled. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit all over the place. I think the other thing that I do fairly regularly at the moment, I have a client in Canberra, so I probably would be in Canberra you know, generally one or two days or two or three days a week as well. So, you know, one morning a week, typically the alarm goes off at 5.40, but not to do any exercise, but to get on a plane. So, <laughs> um, But I think that's the sort of a lot of the nature of work. And I think one of the things that's really important is to have that that flexibility and agility to be able to respond to that, but mm. still be able to, to make exercise a part of your day. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And and we know, like, on top of all of that, you compete in Ironmans and um, that you took out the World Championship for your age group. Um, could you tell us a little bit of background on your competitions with that um, and obviously how you got into doing Ironmans as well? I know you were talking about triathlons before. Yeah. So I guess, you know, as I said, I, I started doing triathlons when I was 19 at university. I'm, I joined the, the university club and it was more of a social thing and enjoyment thing. But also there was a strong performance element. But I think one of the things that happened to me is I got really good advice back then, and that was not to rush it in terms of the the kind of com- competitions that I wanted to do, and just to get a lot of experience and enjoy it. So we would do, I, I would do a lot of shorter races or sort of one hour, you know, triathlons, sprint yeah. sprint triathlons. And the advantage of that is you could do one every weekend. You didn't tuck yourself out, and you could just learn to you know race when it was hot, race when it was cold, mm. race when it was windy, race when it was wet race when you were feeling good, race when you weren't, learn what worked and what didn't. And I actually did my first Ironman at 26. So that's seven seasons of triathlon and quite a few, you know, I built up, I remember my first Olympic distance triathlon, which is the two-hour version. And then, then, you know, the next year I did one half Ironman and then I did another half Ironman the following season. So I built up very slowly. And I think that's an important principle now is a lot of people look at triathlon and go I should go and do the Ironman as my second or third race and (laughs) I'm just shocked by that because it's such a hard race it's such a long way and and being being able to build up slowly to that Mm. and set little goals along the way and enjoy those little successes along the way I think it's a very important thing yeah but then obviously when I did my first Ironman at 26 in round numbers I've basically done one on average a year for, for every every time after that I find that I really enjoy the challenge of of doing the Ironman, um, you know, for your listeners, um, it's a 3.8 kilometre swim, so that roughly takes me about an hour or a bit less. Yeah. A 180 kilometre bike ride, which which takes a, a bit under five hours for me, and then you've got to finish with a marathon, which is 42 kilometres of running, and all all in one one day with the stopwatch running for the amount whole amount of time. <laughs> it's a big day out, and and it's something. It's still a very special event for me. It, it, it needs a lot of respect. It's not something I do in a half-hearted way, and I, I really am very deliberate about when I go and do those events. Yeah. I love um, I love your consistency. You know, you're saying you, you did it, obviously. You've been doing triathlons. You, you then went into doing your Ironmans at 26. You did one every year after that. And the most important thing I think you said was that you enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't something that you just turned around and you said, okay, I'm doing triathlons. I'm just going to go straight into Ironman. You know, you, you just... I think it shows consistency because you followed something you loved, you did it consistently, and you did it gradually to still enjoy it. Whereas some people wake up some days, I don't know if any of you feel the same, but some people wake up and they're like, you know what, I've never done running before in my life. I'm just going to go do a marathon. You know, I'm just going to do a marathon. I'm going to do a half marathon. I'm going to make that my goal. I'm going to do it in four months' time. And then they get to the marathon, they complete the marathon or the half marathon, and then they never do anything again Mm -hmm. because they haven't looked at it as, I really enjoy running. So let's focus on, I guess, 
doing some running in different elements and then doing some running and checking out my time and then, you know, getting involved in the process that goes towards the goal rather than just being like, cool, the goal, I'm done. It's very much with me and competing. Like I find that I the, the, the day is actually a cherry on top of the journey mm. um, and that's why I really enjoy doing what I do and I can imagine that because of that, it's consistency. So I, I've consistently always gone to the gym no matter how I'm feeling because I actually just really enjoy mm. it. Um, so I really love that you pointed that out and that's so important. And, you know, back to like your crazy schedule, <laughs> you know, going on planes, being in meetings in different states um, and obviously dealing with clients, you know, nationally but also probably glo- globally, would that be right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you um, – you have a really unique form of training, I believe. So – Tell us a little bit more about how you fit everything in that you have going on um, with your type of training. Mm. Well, I think the title of your segment's really interesting, Emma, in that it's called The Basics. And for me, um, I don't have a daily plan of the things I need to do. And um, one of the reasons is because my schedule changes so much and it's so varied, I find I need to be quite agile with the way that I approach my training. So in my mind, I have an overall goal of what I'm trying to achieve you know, for the year, if you like. And I have a sort of a sense of what I want to do for the week, but I'm not sure how it's all going to fit in at the moment. But what I am is open to the possibility of training and also try to give myself the the maximum chances of doing that training. So what do I mean by that? I think one of the things that's really important is to say during the week, I can't really, don't really have that much, you know, many opportunities, but I've got to take those opportunities. So I live in Melbourne and if I get to um, ride my bike to work, probably about three times a week I'll be able to ride to work. And if and and that way, that's 40 minutes that I ride in and 40 minutes that I ride home. That's terrific. You know, that's sort of helping me to break up my day. And also I really enjoy the commuting. But then I make sure that that commuting is as quality as it, it can be. I ride on the bike path. I don't ride on the road. Um, I have good lights. I have a rain jacket because it frequently rains, especially in the spring in Melbourne at the moment. Oh, and, really? <laughs> and I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm really made sure that I've got good, good kit to be able to do that. And also, I have uh, quite a few bikes in my shed. Some of them are really not that great, but they're they're commuter bikes. And so sometimes I can have two bikes underneath PwC locked up. They're not terrific bikes, but I've still got a third one on Saturday because I, my schedule might change. So I might need to take a cab home or stay out for dinner. So having a few different sets of kit can actually help to give you more more options. So at the moment, you know, I've got two pairs of runners at the office and probably three pairs of running kit. Now, they just sit there and if I use them twice a year, that's been great to have them there as option value. So taking your opportunity to to do some training is is a real advantage. Not trying to make sure that when, when I'm working, the day that I'm working is that I have to use my training to be a really enjoyable break, energy giving, a bit of a bit of a session, but I won't try and absolutely, you know, put myself under into the hurt locker or put myself under the gun. Um, and so I'm using it as an opportunity to 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 re-energize as well as get some training done. And then obviously, you know, it's like, well, I don't just pull a rabbit out of the hat. On the weekends is pretty important. So on Saturday morning, I will get up and generally ride hundred Ks with my mates, but we get up early. We get it done really quickly. I'm home by 9.30 and then I will try and help with all the kids' sports and all the other things that that you need to do as a dad. And of course, you know, on Saturday morning at 10 past six, do you want, do you really want to get up and your alarms <laughs> off? And, and, and I know that's my one opportunity for the weekend for my long ride, my hilly ride, my hard ride, my social ride, all rolled into one little tight three-hour package. And you don't get a choice about whether you go or not. If it's raining, 
I just need to be there. So there's really only one or two key sessions for the week that are like that. The ride on Saturday morning and then at some point on the on a Sunday I'll try and have a run for about an hour or, or longer. And with the principle being that I'm running on tired legs from the cycle the day before. And I find if I do those two sessions, everything else during the week's a bit of supplementation. Mm. Yeah. And then I'm very careful about when I'm coming up towards an Ironman, of course I'll increase those mileages of that long ride and the long run and then try and keep everything else, you know, keep on top of things otherwise. Yeah, that's, um, I absolutely love that and your whole concept around just taking every opportunity that you can and being flexible, especially, I mean, one of the biggest things you hear around the office and in the corporate world is, oh, I don't have time to train or I don't have time to do this. And I think when we caught up, when you when you were just back from Singapore, you said one day you had like 15 minutes, you could go for a swim, but you, were, you went out and you had a swim because you knew it was better than doing nothing. And it's just that whole mentality. And like our, our listeners out there could take so much away from that of just being flexible and just fitting it in where you can and something is better than nothing. And then I guess around the, the quality of that as well is you're, you're, you seem to be focused on your training when you're training. You're not sort of on your phone whilst you're at the gym on a bike or something like that. You're When you're training, you're training. And, and I think with Ironman, you've got to be really thoughtful. Is Yeah, it's a long day, but the most important thing with an Ironman is actually it rewards you for being efficient. So mm. the more efficient you can be, everyone starts with about the same amount of energy. But if I can run along slightly more efficiently than you, then I'm preserving my energy for the end when I'm tired. And the mm. same with cycling. So it's not you, the person who does well at Ironman isn't rewarded by being specifically fast. They're, it's actually being rewarded for not slowing down. So that's why even getting in and doing a little bit and practicing great technique in the pool, for example, is, mm. is a really important thing. That's what gets you the benefit. And a little and often is much better than pushing too hard and injuring yourself or, or yeah, tuckering yeah. yourself out. And I think... That's one of you know the single thing for me, you know, to to emphasise to your listeners is just to really think about what are the goals that you're trying to achieve. Make sure that your training is tailored towards that, and not what everyone else has written about or the latest fad. And also, just you know, just getting out a little and often is so much more valuable on a month, and then as months turn into seasons and seasons turn into years. You know, this is my I don't know twenty, what is it, twenty third or twenty fourth season, and mm-hmm. There's a lot of pages in my sort of training phone book and that's a real advantage, but also it doesn't mean that I get to not run for a month and then think I can just go out and run. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, it's that little bit of consistency and keeping it ticking over that I think really helps that long run yeah. um, you know, benefits. Absolutely. And that must be quite different, I guess, from a lot of people that do Ironman. And another thing with Ironman is you do the World Championships. You go to the top event in Hawaii, so it's... It's not just your local Ironman, you're competing at the very top. Um, but I can imagine that's a bit of a different approach to a lot of people who either do it full time or have more time to train um, as well, which is which is interesting. And have you, have you always had that approach or did you do, used to do it, sort of pile up the training and, and exhaust yourself on the training and then you find this way or is it something that you've always done? No, I mean, I think there was sort of a six or eight week period you know, long time ago now in 2000 between work before, between, you know, finishing my PhD studies and working where I basically was a full-time athlete. And, yeah. you know, we went up to the Gold Coast and we trained a lot. And it was, in some senses, it was fun, but it was, A, it was really tiring. I got tired. And B, I didn't enjoy the fact that I only really had physical challenges, not mental ones. You mm. know, reading the paper was a struggle. You know, you were so tired <laughs> yeah. from all the training. And, and what I realized for me is that sort of too much of a good thing was a, was a bad thing. And 
the actual moderation was really the bit that I enjoyed the most. And and so for me now, I'm in this beautiful state where I sort of look forward to every training opportunity because I don't get to do that many. I don't often get just totally overtired from from training because I don't do that much. I enjoy them the training I get to do. It's a special mm-hmm. thing to be able to do. But also, it's just a part of my life, which, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's obviously the quality that you're getting in. So, you know, rather than smashing yourself, like Zach said, really, really hard, um, you know, maybe not, you probably, I don't know if you found this, but did you enjoy it as much when you were constantly, like, doing it full time? Yeah, so I mean, a great example is swim, swim, going to swim squad. You know, often it's early in the morning and there's a coach there and they want you to do, you know, 20 100s on the, on the, on the 120. And, and also you don't seem to have a lot of control about when you push hard versus when you're not. And so, you know, you finish that and then suddenly you're at work, you're at mm. uni and you can't concentrate because you're exhausted. And I didn't love that. I need to push myself at the right time, mm. you know, that helps in the context of my day mm. and so being able to have that flexibility and that choice is really important um, and, and I think the other thing that's helped me is just having a few few friends and you know obviously a supportive family that that can you know now be a real part of of the training as well but having some friends that are you know similarly minded and, and are really trying to achieve something together I think is a really special thing as well yeah having it as part of a community part of that fun Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you need to go for a ride and it's three hours and you can go by yourself or you can go with six of your mates and it's almost like having a sort of a chat, it's a really different and great experience. And that's why we really look forward to for going. I know that with what I do, you know, I always finding if I can make it as fun as possible, then I really look forward to it. Like, you know, even doing training with someone different or, you know, getting out and doing a boot camp or even if it's just something a little bit different, I always find that fun. So it's, I guess it's about what makes it fun for that, that person. Correct. Um, and also, you know, I also find me personally when I go to the gym all the time with this one who loves three-hour sessions. <laughs> When he can get away with it. Uh, when he gets away with it, you know, I don't find that fun. Yeah. So mine is like, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half tops, <laughs> mm. you know, and that that's my fun. And, you know, four times a week is my fun. But for someone else, that that might look different. Um, like Zach, for example, who could do six days a week at three hours, mm. yeah, you know. I, <laughs> and everyone has yeah. their, everyone has their, what you know, what works for them, but also being open to what, what's agility in terms of what things trying new things and trying new ways to continue to refine your program and for me now a great example is my kids now and and being able to engage them in the sport and the enjoyment of it and so you know my older two children actually run well so you know yesterday was a Sunday and I ran with them I ran with the older two we did 5k's together and my younger one was on her bike and she rode the same you know distance so we went out and did 30 or 40 minutes of of running now that's more session suited to them but the, to see them out there and enjoying yeah. um doing you know doing a little run or a ride is terrific and now that with my older two my son can be quite engaged in coming out and doing the long run with us where he'll ride his bike and he'll be supplying us with drinks and gels and really yeah. getting into that that mindset of in, and really he gets a real kick out of coming and and riding with us when we're doing our run and again just making it more engaging and, and bringing them into that part of that goal as well can be really terrific. Now, you know, it takes time to do that. It's not it's not just a, you know, you roll up and they suddenly want to run, ride 30Ks or go for a run. You've got to build them up slowly to, to enjoying that. But really engaging people, you know, kids into sport, they, they actually really, really love it. Mm. And making it fun for them or interesting for them is really important as well. And obviously spending time with you is a huge part of that as well. 
What I might do is just um, hand it back to you. In summary, what would you think are the key things? One's obviously your consistency and that type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, just reinforcing Emma's point around, you know, everyone wants that ultimate prize of going and doing the Hawaii Ironman and ticking that box or being an Ironman finisher or running a marathon. But I think the first steps are often the hardest. And, and that's why I think apps like, you know, Couch to 5K are very good. Yeah. It's actually very hard to get your body used to running again if you haven't been running. It's it's a really hard sport on your body. You know, yeah, you're yeah. hitting the ground with a lot of force with every footfall. Cycling as well. There are a lot of elements to cycling that are very important about how do you, where do you sit on the road? Where, where's the right place to be? What do you have to listen or look out for to avoid falling off? And these are some of, uh, these are right top of mind at the moment, having been riding <laughs> with my son on the road <laughs> over the weekend, you know, yeah. just doing 20K rides with him. But it's, I'm, I'm transitioning him from the bike path to the road. And what are those, what are those little lessons that are really important to help, help you, you know, get, get started? And, and really enjoy it because if you fall off your bike or you have an accident, you're not going to enjoy yeah, it. And starting it right from the outset. Yeah. Exactly. And also really getting that right technique right and getting getting the fundamentals or the basics right are really important. And yeah, we could come and talk about, I don't know, the effect of caffeine ingestion on performance improvement during exercise, right? But <laughs> yeah. they're very, very, you know, very nuanced and very small things. The fundamentals are if you can get up and, you know, and, and run a couple of times a week for 50 weeks that will make you a runner it doesn't really matter whether you run for 20 minutes or two hours just getting up and consistently get running every week for a couple of times is going to really help your body get into that running groove and part of the process of lacing up and, and making it part of your day and mm. making it part of your week and making it part of your season and that's what we need australians to do is to to you know we live in this you know amazing country with you know, and and we are very lucky when you think about being our role in Asia and, and other places in Asia. We, you know, a lot of us live in really nice places where we can. We've got great clean air and water and environment, um, and places to go and explore and and encouraging people to get out there and doing that, um, and really taking a much longer view of their sport and their enjoyment and and a much longer view of of their physical fitness. Um, I'll give you an example. I know this sounds ridiculous, but I have a personal limit where I will not run more than 50 kilometers in a day. Now, I know that sounds really silly, but what that stops me from doing is the 100K races or the 100-mile races or the trail running, the very long-distance trail running races. And for some people, they, they've got the, maybe they've got the build to be able to sustain that very mm-hmm. long running. But for me, I, I'm, I'm not a really small, little, skinny little runner. I'm, I've got a more of a triathlon build. Yeah. And I find that my risk, my worry is if I get injured, then I won't be able to enjoy running much greater. So I prefer not to do the really, really long runs now yeah. to preserve me to be able to run more in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time and enjoy that. So, you know, taking a view that's in more built in decades rather than in, you know, in weeks is, is really what I'd encourage people to do. And and the hardest thing is always that first step. So getting out there and just getting getting, building that rhythm and building that exercise into your into your into your weekly, monthly, yearly cycle is really important. It's great that you took the comparison out of it because you know, obviously, with anything, with any goals or any type of things that people want to achieve or work up to, we all have that mistake of com- comparison. You know, and I love how you recognize that for you, you know, you have a different build and you recognize that you wanted to be consistent in your training and do the things that you really enjoy rather than going hard and at something else. Um, Because I get a lot um, from women and they say, oh, 
I'm only training, you know, four times a week and this is the type of training I'm doing. I'm like, that's pretty much how much I train, you know? So it's actually quite funny what, what, what works for them. They're thinking it's not good enough because they're looking at someone who's maybe achieved their goals and thinking that they're doing more when in actual fact it's just their, compar- their comparison and making an mm. assumptions. So, I yeah. think it's easy with, you know, all the social media to think that everyone's doing all this training all the time, right, and that you're you're not doing enough or eating enough goji berries or whatever it is, <laughs> right? Which I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that's a really important thing now is that whilst there's great tools for us in our world at Strava, which, you know, charts all your running and your cycling and you can follow people and see what they're doing, um, part of that also, you know, it's great to see what some people are doing in one sense to learn, but also it can be very daunting and, and make you feel like you're not, not doing enough or you're never enough. And, and for me, it's actually about not, you know, I don't really pay that much attention to what other people are doing because... Um, they're generally doing a lot more than me. But I know for me, what works for me is this rather limited amount, but very consistent and very directed amount of training really works for me. Yeah. And so that's what that's the magic formula that I, I seem to have cracked that works for me. So I'm going to keep doing that because of, it's giving me the enjoyment and it's making it part of the rest of my life. And, I think, and I'd encourage your listeners to really think about what, what's, it, what's the right you know, blend of things that's really going to work for them. Um, and to learn and listen to a lot of different people, but then really think about, okay, so how does this apply for me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Damien, we really appreciate your time and your message. We think it's phenomenal. People will take take a lot away from this as well and hopefully think a bit differently on how they approach things and just getting started and make the most of, of what time you do have and set goals that are realistic for you. And I mean, we could just keep chatting for hours because I love, uh, love chatting to you and picking your brains as well. It's been good. Well, thanks very much for having me, Zach and Emma. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've just heard, please share with your friends and family. You can check out some of our previous topics at www.basicslw.com or you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, to name but a few. You can also check out what the team have been up to on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any feedback, would like to find out more or just have a question for us to cover in future episodes, drop us a line on info at basiclw.com. Join us next time where we'll be covering another topic and hopefully answering one of those burning questions of yours.